Chris. Hi, I'm Charlotte. And this is a very special episode of It's Just a Show coming you, coming straight to you live from Passages Bookshop in Portland, Oregon. <laughs> and because we're in Portland, this time we watched two educational shorts about bicycle safety. <laughs> They're called The Bicycle Driver and Bicycling Visual Safety, which is kind of an odd name. Yes, it is an odd name. And the bike manual says we're married now, Chris. <laughs> but, yeah, we're here live. We're here at Pastor's Bookshop. It's really great. Uh, normally we don't introduce ourselves, but we should, I thought we should this time. Uh, and I also feel like we should introduce the show a little bit. Mm-hmm. Who here, of the lovely people here, who has watched Mystery Science Theater 3000? Many hands Many are going hands, up for those of you who are not visually here. Yes. But not everyone. Not everyone. Okay, well, let's, uh, for the people who haven't seen it, let's just make sure everybody's on more or less the same page. Mystery Science Theater 3000 is a TV show mm-hmm. in which some people and some robot people uh, get to watch <laughs> some, let's say, not so great movies. And they respond to being made to make these, to being made to watch these movies by making jokes at the screen. Uh, uh, and, um, the important thing for our purposes is that, uh, the jokes are all over the map in terms of the references they make. They make jokes. Sometimes it's just, you know, fart noises, but a lot of the times (laughs) it's references to all sorts of either well-known or very obscure pieces of culture. Uh, in the last episode, last proper episode we did, there was a little bit of a, 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 a tense moment when the violins and the score started trilling. And uh, one of the hosts of the show said, oh, they're trilling. And one of them said, the other one said, Calvin, Calvin trilling. trilling. And the oh. other one said, Lionel trilling. Oh. And so in our show, we got to talk a little bit about who those people are. Mm-hmm. And that's the fun thing we like about this show, sort of reaches out into the universe and grabs what it can and makes unlikely connections between them. And on our show, we like to continue that by relieving ourselves of the need to actually be amusing. (laughs) (laughs) And just sort of explore, feel out, find, see what we find interesting and, um, yeah. Mm -hmm. And do that. I find I often learn so much by being on this show because most of the references just go right over my head. Right? Even the very highbrow fart jokes sometimes miss me. So But Chris, you never miss a fart joke. I'm so impressed. No, I've I well I did a degree in medieval studies. Oh, so fart jokes. Yes. And yeah, you'd be surprised how often I might not, actually. <laughs> so what we're doing now, uh, some of you may know, the MSC3K started in the late 80s in a small Midwestern uh, Minnesota um, town and eventually got picked up by Comedy Central and mm. eventually got picked up by the Sci-Fi Channel and then that fell apart and they went away in 1999. Ooh. And then many, many years later, there was a big Kickstarter, which was at the time the most successful Kickstarter ever. And they got picked up for uh, two seasons at Netflix, but that's as many as Netflix is ever able to commit to. So they were like, oh. nope, nope, no, no, we're done. And they were able to Kickstarter and do their own thing now. So they've just done their 13th season, uh, which is very exciting. It's mm-hmm. actually, I think, the best they've done in ages. And part of that is that they've done a bunch of shorts, which... They used to do sort of attached to the episodes. These are a bit independent, so you can just watch the shorts, which is a great way to get started. Mm-hmm. And one of the shorts that we're looking at tonight, I think, is probably the best of the new shorts. Oh. It's, it's, it's quite funny. <laughs> I mean, we should clarify, it's not the short itself that's particularly all that funny. It is, in fact, the riffing that they bring to the shorts that makes it hilarious. 
Yes. The bicycle driver, I strongly recommend it. What happens in the bicycle driver, do you say, would you say? Hmm. Well, in the bicycle driver, I think, you know, short answer, we learn a little bit about the rules of the road and how bicycles and cars have to interact with each other. Yeah. And so, we get to spend a lot of time with a 14-year-old boy whose birthday it is, and he's going yes. shopping for a new bike. Which apparently he has to pay for himself. Which is very odd. He's going to mow a lot of lawns, his mom says. Meanest mom trick ever, by the way. So you're keeping that in your back pocket? Heck yeah, Yeah. you know it. (laughs) And uh, yeah, he has to test out the bikes. And he has Mm. a very special method for testing out the bikes. Well, because it's his birthday, as 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 they tell us. You get to teabag all of the bikes in the store on your birthday. <laughs> there are tight shots. How you know which one fits? Tight shots of, of this 14-year-old's crotch just bouncing up and down onto the bicycles, oh, thrusting a little bit not, into the yes, gears. There's a little bit of thrusting into the... Like, what are you doing, child? 14. 14, everyone. But, you know, the short is largely about knowing proper hand signals mm-hmm. and thinking about being on the road with cars, as is the other short, mm-hmm. uh, Bicycling Visual Skills, uh, which has a weird framing device. They both have weird framing devices, as if you can't watch a short about bicycle safety without first having somebody introduce it to you and let you know that it's about bicycle safety and you might want to think about bicycle safety. Yeah, this one starts with a teacher talking to some sort of elementary, middle school age kids and saying, hey, I've got a new bicycle safety film. You want to come in tomorrow at eight in the morning on a on Saturday? A weekend, not watch, creepy at all. And watch the new film with us? And they're like, okay. And they do. And then we see the film. And then afterwards, they're like, yeah, we sure learned about bicycle safety from that. There is no point for the framing nope. device nope. at all. Nope. No. Other than you got to watch the kids bike around town together and have lectures at each other. Because, of course, there's an older sibling who's learning how to drive a car who then has to tell everybody about how they're riding their bikes wrong. Because that's what car drivers feel the need to do to all bicyclists, right? Car drivers like to tell bicyclists how they're doing it wrong. Yes. Well, we might talk about that a little bit more In a moment. But I do want to say, these shorts were found by, uh, well, they're especially thanked at the end. They're thanked uh, Skip Eisheimer, Elsheimer, sorry, Elsheimer, Skip Elsheimer from the AV Geeks, uh, which is (laughs) one of those organizations that goes around collecting strange educational and other ephemeral films. They will be in town in Portland soon. I don't believe they're based here, but they will be coming in for a special event next week on May 2nd at the Clinton Street Theater in honor of... Legendary local film archivist Dennis Nybeck, who passed away a little while ago, um, and they're just going to be doing a, a tribute to him. Uh, I got to see many years ago, maybe twenty years ago, I got to see a program at the Clinton Street Theater of these kinds of ephemeral educational films with the haunting and brilliant title "Food: Colon <gasps> Is It for You?" <laughs> <laughs> Changed my life. Did you, in fact, find that food was for you, Chris? Not after they sprayed it with pesticides with enthusiasm. (laughs) Is it food after you spray it with pesticide, though? Anything's food if you chew hard enough. Really? These are two pretty obscure shorts. We actually don't know very much about them. Uh, I think, yeah, neither of them are on the IMDb yet. And one of them, uh, we don't know what year it's from. (laughs) Although you can make some educated guesses based on the clothing and hairstyles. Yeah, it says 1980s in... 
like the MST3K and the AV Geek site when they're yes. looking at this. It's like, that's the best we got. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, the one from the 80s, bicycling, bicycling Visual Skills, it does have credits on it, and I tried to look up who these people were. The only one that I was able to track down was the director, whose name is Janelle Showalter. I think I think it was made by students at The Ohio State University for their local AAA thing as an experience project. I thought maybe some of these students went on to have exciting careers in cinema. Oh, did they? Well, Janelle Showalter is an there are a few people that I found as I was Googling that name, but one of them is in show business and worked on the sound department uh, for a few films. Um, and has the Ohio State University amongst her alma mater. Yeah, she worked on sound for The Terminator. <gasps> and Con Air. Oh, I love Con Air. That's one of my favorite movies. Well, thank you. Uh, this She learned her craft oh. making this terrible short. <laughs> a new sense of just appreciation for this short now, now that I know that it in fact helped Nick Cage like have the line of the don't touch the bunny. I told you not to touch the bunny. Yeah, it made it audible at least. Uh, Yeah, well fantastic. It would have been weird if you couldn't hear it because then Nick Cage with his hair like what is that? It's good podcasting. (laughs) (laughs) So so I wanted to talk a little bit about bicycles and about bicycles and cars sharing the road, which is what both of these shorts are about. Mm-hmm. They talk about it in different ways. One of them is more obsessed with hand signals and getting in the minds of other people. They they play a little game of like, what's that person think they are? That person thinks you know, they're driving a green car. They think they're a knight on a green horse. <laughs> I guess that kind of empathy helps you. I don't know. I think it was more... He thinks he's a race car driver because I'm sure you've seen these people on the road. They're in the middle lane and they want to go fast, but they don't want to go in the fast lane. So they move over into the slow lane. They gun it and they go faster than everybody else. And then they cut across two lanes of traffic in order to get into the fast lane. One car length ahead of the person that they could have been behind. That's who this person was. There you go. Race car driver. The other one is about visualizing skills. And so there's a lot of like infographics and instructions about where you're looking and where you should look next. And like, mm-hmm. there's a whole thing. Okay, you're making, a, you're making a stop. So you want to look behind you, then to the left, then to the right, then straight ahead, then, then to the to left, the left again. again, then, then maybe the behind right you again. one more time. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like, oh okay. Oh my gosh. It's, it's, this is also the one where they refer to an arrow coming up in the middle of the road that's been animated in there as, did we all just have the same collective hallucination? <laughs> that's what the riffers say. I yes. love the riffers. They really do help out with that because where did that arrow come from? It is fun. Um, I found a fun quote. I was reading up on bicycling history and so forth, and I found a fun quote a fun not- from a notorious essay by P.J. O'Rourke, not a, a writer who I normally go to for wisdom, but um, <laughs> nevertheless, uh, here, I, I, I just want you to, to listen to it and, and okay. tell me what you think. Um, Mankind has invested more than four million years of evolution in the attempt to avoid physical exertion. Now a group of backward-thinking atavists <laughs> mounted on foot-powered pairs of hula hoops would have us pumping our legs, gritting our teeth, and searing our lungs as though we were being chased across the Pleistocene savanna by saber-toothed tigers. Think of the hopes, the dreams, the effort, the brilliance, the pure force of will that over the eons has gone into the creation of the Cadillac Coupe de Ville. <laughs> Bicycle riders would have us throw all this on the ash heap of history. 
Now, you know me. Uh-huh. Our listeners have a good sense of me. And those of you who don't know me can look at me. And you, <laughs> you might well think that I'm in agreement with this. As somebody who notoriously does not like to get up. Ideally, get up out of bed. But certainly not sear my lungs with exertion. Sure, but you also hate cars. This has got to be a real tough choice for you. It's true. I do kind of like bikes, but I don't bike anymore. You like them, but you don't I like the idea, and then I moved to Toronto, and Toronto is a terrible city for biking in. Mm. But I lived in Portland for many years, and Portland is a pretty good city for biking in. Did you bike when you lived in Portland? For about a year. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and then there was a sort of an incident when I was going over one of the bridges and there was a big truck and the truck was going to turn and it sort of turned into me and I was fine and the driver was mortified and it was kind of totally my fault, although the signage was real bad at the intersection, mm. but whatever, I'm, I'm a little ticket, but it did, it did sort of scare the bejesus out of me. So I was like, yeah, mm, I can imagine. Mm, was that before yeah. they painted all of the green zones here inside of Portland for our bicyclists? It was, because I think that happened after I moved away, oh. which as uh, you'll know, was many, many years oh, ago goodness. now. Yes, yes, it's true. Well, I don't... I am a commuter by car, um, which is about a 30-minute drive. It would be much, much longer on bicycle, though there are several people who work at my school who do bike to school, which is really fantastic. I applaud them. Um, and I wonder if they find – well, they don't bike from my neighborhood. No, they no, live no. in other places. I, I was just thinking about being a teacher and arriving to school sweaty and then trying to oh. be like – you know – I you mean, know. they yeah, arrive you know early, they, you know they bring a change of clothes. <laughs> I believe right. that there are strategies that you could use so that you could still be professional and presentable, though how professional teachers look these days is wide range, wide <laughs> spectrum of what people wear to school these days. As the professional teachers, I mean, students, I think, have a much narrower range. They tend to be more conservative, which is really interesting. Sure. But anyway, <laughs> um, I don't bike for my commuting, and I don't know how effective the green zone is for bicyclists from their perspective in terms of how uh, safe it makes them feel, but I know as a driver, having those green zones makes it much easier for me to know where to look to find bicyclists. So I appreciate it just in terms of giving me a visual aid when I am driving to be able to look for cyclists and to take that second look and to know where to take that second look. So I appreciate the green zones. I don't think it's, you know, too much of an imposition, though I know there were lots of people who just like railed against it. And Oh, well, yeah. Well, yes. And we will get to that, I think, in a second. I will say, Toronto, we don't have green zones like mm-hmm. that, but we have been doing the thing where we've been moving parking over a little bit so that, oh, uh, yeah. you know, the bicyclists and then the parked cars and then the main traffic. Mm-hmm. And that seems good, though, you know, it probably could be doing more of that and be faster. The problem with biking in Toronto is that it's a really awkward city because there are very few streets that actually go through from one section to another. Oh. Here here in Portland, one of the things I loved about biking in Portland, I don't know if this is still the case, but I assume it is, there are specific streets that are like bike highway streets where the bikes Mm -hmm. are supposed to go, yeah. Mm -hmm. And that was great. Like the idea that as a bicyclist, I had a whole different map of like what the main streets were, that it wasn't Hawthorne, but it was Salmon or something like that. Yeah. Uh, It was like, Because Hawthorne's just way too busy with cars. Putting a bike on there is dangerous for everybody. Exactly. We have... Imagine if salmon, all the salmon streets, so to speak, in Toronto just stopped after every two blocks mm-hmm. and you only had Hawthorns to get from one major zone to another. Mm-hmm. Which in North Portland is actually what happens because the 
city narrows and then widens back out and narrows again. So you end up having to go through some crazy maze in order to get some places. But if you live in Southeast, I suppose you have a nice, easy way to commute around. (laughs) There's that. Not Northwest, though. When it gets hilly, it gets a little rough, I think, for uh, bicycle riders. And I got to say, like, there's so many bicycle riders who go over Germantown, which is this very narrow two-lane car road. And it's really... It's frightening. It's frightening, I think, for bicycle riders, and I think it's frightening for cars as well. It's hard to share the road when there isn't designated space. So I appreciate when there's designated space and thoughtfulness to the way that you're designing your streets in your city. Now, you grew up in a very, very hilly part of the Bay Area. Yes, I did. Did you bicycle a lot as a kid? No. Mm. Well, I mean, in the sense that I didn't, like, say to my parents... Bye, Mom and Dad. I'm going to get on my bike and go over to my friend's house, and you won't know where I am for 12 hours because I'm biking around the town, and then I'll be home for dinner. Maybe. I couldn't do that because we were on the top of a super big hill. Like, dangerous to bike on hill, not gradual descent, but like the kind that would get a big sign if it was, you know, rising up Mount Ashland and trucks needed to slow down and check their brakes and stuff like that, which, you know, my best friend, she um, didn't check her brakes before going down one of those hills and her front brakes didn't work, her hand brakes. So she had to use her um, wheel brakes, but she didn't have a bike that had one because she had graduated from having a kid bike with um, pedal brakes to one that had hand brakes, but she hadn't quite made the transition in her mind yet. And so she ended up having to throw her bike over to one of the grassy areas and like chipped her tooth. It was, I, yeah, I know everybody, but she had like this really awesome chip in her tooth for a while that yeah. looked badass. So that, no, that was There's a Japanese art where you get chipped things and you glue them back together with gold. Yes, she requested that like from that? her dentist, yeah. but they were like, no, we do not put teeth back on with gold. And no. then she learned about girls later. Bear grills? Yes. Yeah. Girls. Um, yes. Yes. I, I lived in a fairly flat, I grew up in a fairly flat part uh-huh. of Queens, New York, and I was able, yeah, and was <laughs> able to uh, just get on my bike and go, I'm biking now. I'll be back when I'm back, probably for dinner time. Uh, so, um, yeah, that was great. I wonder what, what age did you start just uh, like leaving your front door, getting on your bike and being like, see ya, mom. I think I was uh, 12 ish. Where Something did like you that. go? Bookstore. <laughs> so you would have come here tonight and yeah. been with all of us. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. I think David had his shop in New York at the time. Oh, so I could have even gone there. Fantastic. <laughs> that, would, that, would have been a, that would have been in Manhattan. That would have been an ambitious bike. Never mind. We're getting off track. <laughs> Point is, I don't know if kids these days get to do that as much, get to have that sense of like, I'm just, I'm 12 and now I have a bike. And it's like, you know, we still talk about like getting your first car when you're 16 or whatever and that mm-hmm. opening up freedom. But like, for me, the freedom was always with the bike. That was my first moment of being able to just go wherever I mm-hmm. could get myself to go. And I, and you know, that's a good part of growing up. That's true. Well, speaking as a helicopter parent, yeah, I uh, <laughs> no, I, I don't think I'm. I hope I wouldn't be considered a helicopter parent. Although it's really hard to know where you are on that spectrum. Um, I'll ask but, your kid later. Yeah, <laughs> no, you won't. You won't. I don't want to know. You can't tell me. <laughs> It'll change how I parent. Um, 
No, I, we still do the coordinating with cell phones between moms so that we have a sense for where our kid is, even if they're getting on bikes and heading someplace inside of the city. Um, mostly just so that there is a, whose house did you end up at? And, you know, do you need anything? And, you know, you know, the uh, soccer practice is at three o'clock and I'm going to have to come pick you up and I need to know where you are. Cause you know, we do end up still scheduling our kids for quite a bit of stuff. I don't know if they have the open spans of time like we had when we oh, were younger. Oh yeah. No, I refused to little league. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to sign up for after school. What? Nonsense. No, there but was you nothing. you look like you that. were a baseball player from birth. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there is that sense that at some point in time during the day, there has to be a check-in for at least one of the kids amongst that vast multitude group of just somebody's going to need to be picked up by their mom. So somebody needs to know where they are. And now that I'm saying that out loud, I do feel like a helicopter parent. Thanks a lot for giving me a mirror to look do, at do you, do you do you, do you, do you, do the kids have to share their location on their phones? My kid doesn't have a phone. Ooh. Most of the kids in his friend group don't. I 14, didn't. almost. Well. I know, right? Well, I that's not know. what I was told about the kids today. But <laughs> Well, kids these days. Again, there's a spectrum. There is. Okay. <laughs> um, one other thing I want to talk about. So uh, sharing the road with cars. Mm. Um, there has been long animosity between the bicyclists yes. and the drivers. This century's long war must end. Well, in fact, it's one it's of been... the riffs from the short. I didn't make that up. Yes. Thank you, Pearl Forrester. <laughs> well, in fact, it's been going on even longer than that because before that, there was a war between the horseless carriages <gasps> and the bicycles. Basically, everyone has always had it in for bicyclists who have also perhaps had it in for other types of uh, vehicle people as well. I mean, um, when we stopped mowing down pedestrians, we needed something else to focus our energy on. So bicyclists were there for us. Thank you, bicyclists. <laughs> the thing that people didn't like about bicycles at first is that they didn't make any noise. You can hear them coming, which is and like the same. And then you needed a horn. Quonk, 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 quonk. Which is like electric cars today, right? Where, uh -huh. where they have to like put in fake motor sounds uh, so that people feel safe. Or them. just But they do go music. much faster. <laughs> Though if you get hit by a bicyclist, you can really hurt yourself. Like I had a friend who got hit by a bicyclist and broke their clavicle. It's so terrible. Mm. It was real, real, real unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, I believe any collision between two moving objects is actually going to result in injury of some kind and is unfortunate, like regardless of what those two objects are, especially if one's moving faster than the other one. Yeah, injury or pregnancy, either one. Either way. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I want to talk about hand signals for turning. Ooh, okay. Now- uh, This one? <laughs> Bonk. This one? Yeah. yeah so do, I assume everybody here. <laughs> Sorry. Stop with the visual gags. <laughs> Four people at home have no idea you're slapping me in the face. Um, now they do. <laughs> so, yeah, do we all, I assume we all are good Portlanders or people from other places and are familiar with it. You, you know, many of you have, you have to learn this for your driving, I'm told. I don't know how to drive. I've, I don't remember it actually I'm coming useless. up on the test. But. So if somebody is making a left-hand turn, they put their left hand out. And if somebody is coming to a stop, you, you sort of put your hand arc down to the ground or 90 degrees to the ground. And if you're making a right-hand turn, you... So that's not what's recommended. You're not recommended <gasps> to put your hand up anymore. 
Uh, it is now recommended that you do the left-hand turn, but with your right hand, so that you're pointing in the direction that you're turning. Though this is the other one, the 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 sort of L-shape to the sky is still acceptable, but because not everybody knows bike turns, it's a lot more intuitive if you do this and therefore safer, is the idea. Generally speaking, uh, I think I checked Oregon huh. statutes and they just say use either one, but some places like Vermont, I believe, say, please, you know, we prefer it if you did the right-hand one. Hmm. Where do you think these hand signs came from? Oh, my gosh. I can't even begin to guess, Chris. Well, I'm asking you to, so. Um, um, Egypt. Ancient Egypt. Everything comes from ancient Egypt. It came from ancient Egypt. Okay. Uh, Thanks for making me guess. Yeah. Uh, no. Uh, I, I, I I don't know. Are you sh- We don't fully I'm know. Or I couldn't find this out. But I'm pretty sure that's not one of the options. Uh, <laughs> I heard various people say that they either come from early cars or from horseless carriages. Uh, and I couldn't confirm either of that because, I don't know, my Google food was just not working, I guess. I don't know. I did spend quite a few days Your Google game is really usually amazing, so I I'm even, surprised. I even read a book and it didn't tell me. <laughs> um, Stupid book. It makes sense. I actually, I, uh, yeah. Just kidding. I'm kidding. This is a beautiful space with lots I, of beautiful books. It is. I've uh, never heard of horseless carriage drivers using hand signals to indicate turning, but maybe, I don't know. I feel like that would have come up in some 19th century book or something that I would have read. But Seems I totally like P.G. Cars. Woodhouse should have made Bertie Wooster do it at least once. I mean. I don't know if they were in horseless carriages, but, uh, no. but yeah, anyway. Um, they so, just share the road with horse horses and carriages, though. Yeah. Occasionally. So You know, uh, when they went to the country estates. Anyway, sorry, go on. <laughs> where did where, what, where are we going with this now? Well, what I was curious if you knew when it became mandatory for cars to have electronic turn signals on them so you didn't have to use oh. hand signals. Wow. Um, I'm going to guess 1955. Yeah, you're about right. <gasps> sometime in the late 50s. Yay! Uh, and people who have antique cars might well still have to use the hand signals because they don't have it, although many of them adapt it. And certainly, as you might imagine, turn signals were invented before then. Mm-hmm. When do you think the first one was invented? Uh, 1927. Earlier than that, 1907. Ooh. Yes. Invented by a guy named Percy Douglas Hamilton. Uh, and then sort of reinvented or a different method was invented by somebody named Florence Lawrence. Fabulous. Well, as you might guess from that name... Yeah, she's an actor. That probably wasn't her original name. Uh, but like a lot of, like Hedy Lamar and some other actors, she invented a bunch of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and her mother, who was named Charlotte Bridgewood. <gasps> she must be fabulous. She invented an early automatic windshield wiper in 1917. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's the one that we still use today, but I thought it was pretty neat. Those are neat things. And I keep an eye out Look for that. Women for in you. STEM. <laughs> Actors, women who act in STEM. Yeah. In STEM. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All of those things are good. Um, the other thing, oh, uh, <laughs> somebody who's listening on Discord just pointed out that uh, Florence Lawrence is the pride of Hamilton, Ontario. <gasps> so, Hamilton. so we got some uh, CanCon in, which is always very good. <laughs> Check that box, even though we're live. Exactly. Uh, so thank you for that. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, yes, the other thing I was going to say is that uh, and I didn't have enough time to look into this as I wanted to. But the other great thing about bicycles is that they are why we have paved roads. The sort of antecedent to the highway system came from the good roads movement mm. in the 
I like this 1890s. movement already. Yeah, they were ideas that it would movement. be nice to be able to bicycle across the country, connect all those cities up. It was promoted by the League of American Wheelmen, or LAW, <laughs> which was behind a lot of the bicycle block. Uh, they were also explicitly racist. Yay! Uh, fun they times. lasted for a while. They sort of faded away. They were brought back. Uh, they have another name now, and they are no longer explicitly racist. As of 1999! Yay! Yay! <laughs> we'll take whatever progress we can get, frankly. <sighs> Anyway, I think it's very silly that bicycle people and car people can't be friends. Uh, I think they both mean freedom in different ways to different people. And they both cause different trade-offs. You know, one of them, mm-hmm. one of them is more polluting than the other. One of them is easy, more accessible than the other for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, trains is the answer. Trains, 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 trains. <laughs> Uh, Is there anything else you want to say before we wrap up? Mm, I just wanted to say that these, one of the things that the riffers at MST3K do is that they'll tend to reference other pieces of pop culture. And they referenced all of my favorite bicycle references in pop culture. As you might imagine, Pee Wee Herman was Mm -hmm. one of them. They uh, asked asked Francis to leave Pee Wee's bike alone. So we got to have that one. Uh, They also had a small boy on a bicycle, and they said, I want my $2. (laughs) Very important pop culture reference. Um, They referenced Easy Rider. They referenced Chips with Eric Estrada. (laughs) which was always fabulous. Um, And they referenced, you know, modern reference, which one of these kids is going to the upside down. So those are our our most recent references, you know, for those of you who are less than 20 and need something to pin your bicycles on, you have Stranger Things. The other thing that I appreciated about it is Oh, and they they mentioned Witch Mountain as well. Okay. Which is an obscure bicycle reference. Compared to those other ones, anyway. (laughs) The other thing I appreciated about it is that as I was growing up watching this show, the hosts and the robots were all voiced by men. And in the most recent season, they got That's not the thing that you're saying that you appreciated in the past, right? This is leading to a thing you appreciate? Yeah, that's not not about this. Okay, all right. I'm just setting up context. Some people people haven't seen the show, if you remember, from about No, no, it's true. But you started out with this thing that I appreciated, and that was an all-man thing. And Mm -hmm. I just wanted to know if you were progressing past that. Yeah, well, in these two shorts, there are six different people in the theater riffing, six different actors, let's say. Five of those actors are women. And they're great. Uh, And it's just, it's wonderful to see the diversity. They've really done a great job in season 13 of upping the diversity of both the writing staff and the onstage talent. And uh, the new team is doing a fantastic job. I agree. Anyway, uh, that is our show. Thank you all uh, for being here. Yay! Yay!